0: Please note that in this video, we will be following the guidelines used at Shriners Hospitals for Children, Boston. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Warning, some of the content of this video is extremely graphic as it depicts the injuries associated with severe burns. Viewers unfamiliar with such injuries may find this material disturbing.
1: Hello, my name is Rob Sheridan, and I work in the burn unit at the uh, Shriners Hospital in Boston. Uh, What we're going to do is briefly talk about burn physiology. Um, We're first going to discuss the local response to a burn. We'll talk briefly about the systemic response to a burn, and then briefly the various uh, various, uh, important aspects of pediatric and geriatric physiology as it relates to recovering from a burn.
0: Local response.
1: I uh, will talk briefly about the local response to burn injury what happens you know there's the, the thermal uh, uh, energy causes direct coagulation of the tissue uh, but then there's a peripheral area where there's damage that potentially is reversible and a lot gets made of this zone of uh, stasis and hyperemia uh, where there's potentially salvageable uh, areas of uh, injured uh, but not uh, uh, necrotic skin and there may be something to this Uh, I think that where it comes uh, into play most frequently is if there is a a wound with some peripheral areas that are not full thickness, uh, if the patient doesn't have a good quality uh, fluid resuscitation, there may be some progression of the wound uh, in those areas that are threatened but not uh, necrotic. Uh, So this is the local response to the burn, a small burn, the response pretty much stays local. and uh, how do you manage the local response? Well, you want to prevent hypoperfusion. You want to do a good local uh, you want to do good uh, resuscitation. You want to prevent desiccation of the wound. You know, the purpose of the epithelium in part, in large part, is to prevent desiccation of the underlying dermis. So you want to prevent that with your topical wound care plan. and you want to prevent infection. The epidermis also keeps the bacteria out, and so you need to help the body along with that issue. So to manage the local uh, injury, Uh, Those are your goals, prevent hypoperfusion, desiccation and infection. Um, uh, As the wounds get bigger, uh, there becomes uh, not just a local response, but a systemic response. And exactly when this happens and what burn size this happens and what burn severity this happens, it's not entirely clear. Uh, But it is uh, quite common in burns under 15% or so that you see a relatively minimal a systemic response. As the burns get bigger than that, uh, the systemic, systemic response can become quite profound and quite a problem. Uh, and again, there's a, lots of ways to manage this, uh, the goals of hypoperfusion prevention, desiccation prevention, and infection. Uh, there are uh, topical salves, topical ointments, topical liquids that can be put on. There are membrane dressings, like illustrated here, and we'll talk about these in more detail later. Uh, but those are your goals as regards the local response
0: systemic response
1: so as the burns get bigger the uh, local response uh, uh, triggers a systemic response that become can become an increasing issue as the burns get larger this was initially uh, well described by cuthbert a scott a nutritionist and uh, he used the phrases his ebb and flow phases the ebb phase Uh, referring kind of to the tide, uh, being a period of hypoperfusion, and this is uh, a period of uh, hypotension related to hypovolemia. fluid gets lost through the wounds, and uh, we obscure this nowadays frequently with the fluid that we administer intravenously, so the ebb phase is not quite uh, as dramatic as it is in a... Setting in which uh, fluid resuscitations are not done and then he described the flow phase which follows about 72 hours uh, Later in patients who do survive the ebb phase and this is a period of increasing uh, hyperdynamic uh, circulation increasing uh, catabolic uh, metabolism and um, uh, This uh, flow phase or this hyperdynamic phase will persist uh, until the wounds, till well after wounds are closed, uh, and in patients with very large injuries, can persist a year or so uh, after wound closure. And this period is uh, fu- is characterized by hyperdynamic circulation, protein catabolism, and glucose intolerance. And how do you address the systemic response? Uh, well, the best way to do is to uh, remove the eschar as soon as it's obvious uh, where it is full thickness. Uh, close those wounds physiologically somehow. Um, and then support the hyperdynamic physiology as best you can. There'll be increased needs for substrate, there'll be increased needs for uh, volume, and uh, uh, so to support those needs with nutritional support uh, uh, does help uh, your patient survive that phase of his care. In patients in whom uh, a nutritional support isn't adequate to this task, you really get into a a late systemic phase uh, where there's a lot of catabolism and this really complicates their recovery. It it makes uh, healing of their wounds and donor sites pretty much impossible. Uh, It very much uh, exaggerates the uh, immune compromise that burn patients suffer. And so a very early, very aggressive uh, attention to nutritional support of somebody with a medium to large wound is really critical uh, in the, uh, avoiding this sort of late phase uh, catabolic um, uh, illness.
0: Pediatric considerations.
1: Briefly, pediatric considerations, uh, it's, children are commonly burned. Uh, The mechanisms are often a little bit different. Uh, A lot more scalding, bathing, and cooking accidents. Uh, Airway is always an issue. Uh, The pediatric airway, as you know, is uh, much smaller than the adult airway. As edema occurs in the head and neck, uh, occlusion of the airway due due to edema is much more rapid uh, than an adult with a full-size trachea. Uh, Children have higher energy needs uh, per uh, surface area unit. They have a thinner skin. Uh, they have exaggerated temperature loss Uh, all these things uh, um, need really focused attention early on and uh, from a practical perspective they have smaller blood vessels Uh, vascular access is more difficult uh, and needs a little more attention to uh, detail having said that uh, children there's no reason that children should have a higher mortality uh, with the same size injury as a, a young young adult it's also very important to uh, really keep a, uh, an, uh, keep in the forefront of your head that the kids will get cold easily, uh, especially small children with thin skin, not a lot of insulation, they're evaporating through their wounds, uh, they'll really get cold quickly. You won't get cold, they'll be cold. This is particularly important in the operating room because a hypothermia will lead to coagulopathy and if you're doing an operation that really demands a, an intact coagulation cascade to uh, have a successful outcome uh, you really want to pay attention to this detail constantly monitor the temperature of the child injuries of abuse do occur in all age groups uh, probably more common in small children Uh, there are certain classic patterns and stories you want to be alert for this is one such the uh, flexor sparing across the popliteal fossa we'll talk a little bit more about this later Uh, but to have this in your mind as you go through the initial evaluation of the patients is important And finally, uh, kids grow, and uh, they outgrow their scars, they outgrow their grafts, and to keep them uh, functioning normally requires uh, periodic visits for reconstruction. Uh, These operations are very straightforward in most cases. They're very easy to do, they're very well tolerated, uh, but they're uh, best done as soon as they manifest rather than waiting.
0: Geriatric considerations.
1: Geriatric considerations, uh, again, the mechanisms tend to be a little different. Uh, Sometimes uh, when very old patients are burned, it's part of their uh, uh, global deterioration in their ability to interact with their environment. They frequently have comorbid issues. They frequently have a reduced reserve. Uh, There are sometimes advanced directives or healthcare proxies that need to be brought into the overall planning. This ideally should be done extremely early. Uh, so inappropriate things aren't done and, and inappropriate paths not taken. And finally, they have a very thin skin. Like little children, they have an atrophic skin. It doesn't heal well. It doesn't tolerate donor site harvest very well. And We'll talk later about some of the specific ways to address that uh, operatively to get a good outcome. Uh, finally, rehab can be more difficult for elderly patients. They uh, um, do best in their home environment. Uh, Sometimes that's very difficult, depending on the physical characteristics of the home environment and who's living there and who can help. And thinking about and planning a placement and the um, rehabilitative needs of elderly patients is really important if you're going to give them a quality outcome. Summary. So to summarize burn physiology, uh, really uh, there are local issues, there are systemic issues, uh, there are pediatric and geriatric uh, unique aspects, but really it's all about the wound. If you can address the wound efficiently, quickly, um, and with, with minimal morbidity related to the operative event, you can really truncate the physiologic aberrations here uh, very well. And so if you can address the wound efficiently, um, everything else will get better.
0: That concludes our video on Introduction to Burn Physiology. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.